I knew I was gay from an early age. I was into Star Trek, which was not cool. Their nerd culture was not cool the way it's cool now. Comic books, if you read, you were not cool. That was not you. That was embarrassing Mm -hmm. uh, the way it is not like that anymore. So I was obviously gay and knew I was gay. I was into theater and art. I took dance classes. Like it was just strike, 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 especially in a town that was like, classic toxic masculinity everybody just watches the game so i was on my own and so for me star trek was like that's where i lived that was in my head i was in i was on the enterprise in my head all day every day Hello and welcome to the podcast, to another episode of Queerly Overthinking. I'm your host, Adam Harper, and today I am introducing my dear friend, Jack. Originally, we planned to discuss both the topics of Star Trek and Drag Race, but we could not contain our love for these two topics, so we'll be breaking it up into two separate episodes. In this first episode, we'll be exploring our love for the vast universe of Star Trek, from the iconic characters to the memorable episodes, and our hot takes on both past and future content. So sit back, relax, and let's boldly go where no one has gone before, honey. Well, welcome, Jack, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's get started. Oh, girl. I thought that would be appropriate since it's a drag race uh, is one of our themes. And maybe I should say engage there. Now I covered both. <laughs> I think that definitely covers both of those topics. Indeed. Right. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. I've been wanting to have you on the pod for a while. And it's been exciting to think about these two topics in mind since we're both very passionate about them, um, which essentially kind of brings me to initially how we first met, um, how we met at like the Star Trek convention last year, 2022 in August. Um, right. Do you want to share like initially like your first recollection of that first encounter? <laughs> oh, sure. So uh, oh I had just arrived in Vegas. Yeah, you're in for a pound, um, in for a penny, in for a pound. So you, uh, I just arrived in Vegas. I, it was my first trip uh, after a first plane ride after the pandemic. I live in New York City. So it was my first time getting on a plane again. Flew out to Vegas. I did it alone. It was a solitary vacation. It was one of those, th- I hadn't been to a Star Trek convention since I was a kid. And it was one of those like, okay, we didn't all just die. So um, the world's continuing. Let's do something interesting and fun. So I booked it, went by myself. I get there. Um, I, of course, immediately go on to Grindr because I'm single and I'm in a new town. So there you were. And we started chatting. And I think like I was at break. I, I hadn't even gone into my hotel room yet because I couldn't check in till later that day. And I'm pretty sure I was either at lunch or something. And then we met at the convention, sat next to each other, watched a couple panels. And that was it. And we were buddies the whole weekend. I love that like recap. I feel like that perfectly right. encapsulates the whole experience that we had there. Um, well, I... not everything. We, oh, had some, uh... we had some fun. 
<laughs> it was a great little weekend romance. And then we we got along so well and, and just had, because it wasn't just that. We were also like going out to lunch and we went and saw the Drag Race Live together. And we just had such a great time that it was very clear that even though you live in Dallas and I live in New York and, you know, the the affair was over, that we were still like, we really liked each other. And now we watch... I mean, we talk almost every day and we watch Drag Race on Fridays via FaceTime. And yeah, we just we've continued to be in each other's life. And I consider you a very close friend. I do, too. Literally so much like ditto and same. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that we have like so much in common to talk about and that we've kept in touch, especially long distance. That's what I think is really hard being an adult these days is keeping those like solid friendships and connections especially mm -hmm. long distance and such um yeah I remember <laughs> when we first connected on the abs uh I mentioned this in your podcast Jack has his podcast and I want you to like share about that here in a second um of how I was kind of chilling on the convention floor and was waiting for like things to get started and I remember seeing you but I didn't know it was you at the time I was like oh he's cute like but we were all masked up because we they required us to be wearing masks even right. though like it was near the end of like the whole pandemic kind of thing um but I was just like oh it, he's just cute I don't know if like I'll, like I, I have no idea who this person is or whatever like I didn't make a connection and then when we started talking and then we actually exchanged like pictures like oh this is like where I'm at like this is like the shirt I'm wearing you know if you want to meet up I was like oh my god like I literally just saw you and I was like it, it was just like a crazy moment for me to be like oh I anyway super fun. I love how I was completely masked up and you were like he's cute which is code word for he was wearing real short shorts oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god which I, I mean, was on purpose <laughs> it's true I, I think you were wearing a RuPaul shirt at the time too I wanted to walk into that convention saying hi nerds I'm hot gay and ready to play <laughs> <laughs> and it, you, you were doing a full Valentina move like with the mask on and everything and, I was and... <laughs> I was in my fantasy I was just in my full fantasy every time <laughs> well let's go ahead and dive into the world and the universe of Star Trek mm -hmm. and I'm curious to know I don't know if I think we talked about this when we first met but like when did you first kind of explore this world like when were you first introduced and how did you get started into it so I am significantly older than you. So when I was probably, let's say, okay, so it would have been 1990. So I was probably like eight or nine, somewhere around there. Um, Next Gen was probably, Next, Star Trek The Next Generation was probably airing in its third or fourth season. Um, and that's when I started watching. I, I honestly think it was just something possibly my mom was watching reruns because they also played the reruns of the old episodes and um she grew up loving the Shatner 60s series and she would always talk about how she would play in the backyard and she always pretended to be Spock that was who she wanted to be oh so gosh. I think she sort of introduced me I remember having a conversation watching like a season one episode being like who's that blonde lady and he, she's oh she's security chief she dies um because she wasn't in the episodes I was watching <laughs> but um yeah, and it Star Trek for me starts the next generation specifically, and then sort of early days of Deep Space Nine. Like those were my action figures. That was my, um, you know, playing in the backyard, 
uh, I had a phaser, I had a tricorder, I had all the toys, I had the play sets, the whole house would be occupied, you know, because mom had a blue comforter in her room. So that was the ice planet. And uh, the backyard was the jungle planet. And the figures were all over the house at all times. And so for me, Star Trek is very much my, like, inner child. It is my key sort of connection to my childhood. And then I also think it taught me my sense of morality. Mm, mm. I appreciate too that it's continued to carry on from what you shared in your own like day-to-day life and how excited you are about not only these new, like the new content coming out, but also just like how it reminiscent with all of the past content and such. Right. Yeah, no, it's very much a part of my life today. I, I go in phases because I have a couple different fandoms of, you know, Drag Race, Star Trek, uh, Janet Jackson is my idol. So like I go in phases where I get really deep into like, you know, there'll, there'll come a point probably after the new stuff is done airing that I'll sort of like phase out of like, I'll put Star Trek down for a bit and I'll get really into one of my other things. They kind of come in waves, but no, it's, it's always, it's always part of me. Um, I had collected all of the old Playmates action figures and unfortunately had a really shitty boyfriend who threw them all out when we broke up. So this was the year that I recollected them all. And that was really like an important sort of um, full circle moment for me as a lot of stuff was going on in my life. And like one of the things was like, I'm I'm getting this back, like I'm returning to this. So that was so, yeah, it continues to be a really big, big part of my life. I love that sense of like reclamation and just like giving it back the the purpose and the meaning that it has for you. And I just love all that. I love all that. And it reminds me similarly with my own family growing up. Uh, my parents were very much, at least my dad specifically started with the original series. And so that was like his show and my siblings all grew up with uh, the next generation. So that was kind of like their show. Mm-hmm. Um, while I also saw those two series as well, Deep Space Nine really was kind of like my show that I loved. Right. Um, I do enjoy Voyager. So as far as like old Trek, we don't talk about Enterprise. <laughs> but no. Deep Space Nine really was the one that I got into. And what's funny is that I, I went to the library to check out DVDs of Deep Space Nine because it wasn't available like streaming wasn't really a thing and I had like a portable DVD player and each DVD could hold maybe like six episodes and so I'd check out like five discs at a time at the library and like over the span of two weeks watch them and such and that's that's how I initially watched a lot of Trek was through like compact discs and such and so oh go ahead sorry oh no that was it go ahead so I a bit earlier than you we would buy every week at the grocery store when mom went for groceries, she would get the TV guide. And then I would go to the page in the TV guide that said when what specific episode was airing of Next Generation and reruns that day and at what time. And if I didn't already have it recorded, I would put a blank VHS tape into the VHS player and record it from TV. And that is how I know all of the episode names because... I had to look for them in the TV guide and I had a list of like, oh, I have that one. I don't have that one. That's season three. Put it on the season three tape, you know, put it on. And I had this whole system to to try to collect them because we were, I mean, I think they sold the VHSs at like Suncoast Video, but we were poor. So it was easier to just record them off of TV. But yeah. And so many like homesick that's another thing I was thinking of. Like when I was homesick from school, it was pull out the VHSs and I would sit and watch them, fast forward through the commercials, you know, like yeah. Oh my gosh. Y'all, if you ever hit up Jack uh, and ask him anything about 
Trek. He, I am still to this day blown away by his memory and recollection of episode names, not only the character names, but like the actor actress that plays that person. And just so I'm very constantly impressed by your knowledge yeah. of Trek. <laughs> well, I was a very solitary child. I was I knew I was gay from an early age. I was into Star Trek, which was not cool. Their nerd culture was not cool the way it's cool now. Comic books, if you read, you were not cool. That was not you. That was embarrassing uh, mm -hmm. the way it is not like that anymore. So I was not cool for Star Trek. I was obviously gay and knew I was gay. I was into theater and art. I took dance classes. Like it was just strike, 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 especially in a town that was like, classic toxic masculinity everybody just watches the game you know sports was everything and you know like i was i did not have friends i not really um my family was a bit you know i don't really have a relationship with my father i was pretty close to my mom my sister and i don't get along so i was on my own and so for me star trek was like that's where i lived that was in my head i was in i was on the enterprise in my head all day every day that's where i was and in elementary school i remember when you bought an action figure it came with a little stand for them that was the communicator pin I would keep it in my backpack and pretend that I was like in communication with the ship all day, especially during like hard times. Oh. I would like talk to them, you know, so it was it was a very, very special part of my life. I, I love how it kind of like carried you through those hard times. And I feel like continues to carry us through difficult times in our lives. And um, I think that's kind of what from what I've heard other people say, Trek kind of embodies like the sense of hope and this desired for a better world a place where it, it also kind of can kind of serve as like escapism from the current craziness that we live in today but right. kind of a hope that things will get better and I love that even as a kid you were just like wanting to have that connection with um all the different characters and mm -hmm. the spaceship and everything and well, it was it was in Star Trek it's cool to be smart you know, it's mm. it's extremely important because the only people who get to serve on the Enterprise are the are the best of the best. So it was cool to be smart. It was cool to be interesting and diverse. That was prized, you know, seeking out new life and new civilizations, a bunch of different aliens and humans working together. And it was all about those were the values, problem solving. Um I had a weird, I didn't really have like a big relationship with religion, but I think Star Trek kind of like gave me this insight of like, wait a minute, if I think about this logically, this doesn't make sense. You know, every time on Star Trek, anybody who believed, anyone who was religious was always like a lower tier culture. And it was like <laughs> worshiping something that ended up being some space alien. So I think that really changed me. You know, it was, it really appealed to, I think, an innate sensibility and all the things that I was, it was like, oh, if I lived in the land of Star Trek, I would be like, like, I would be perfectly accepted and content. And like, that's the world I want to live in where you're really smart and people appreciate that. And you don't accumulate things for wealth. It's just about bettering yourself, bettering, doing a better job each time. Like that was, that was right up my alley. That was who I was. I think to riff off of that too, you know, even though there's still political strife and conflict within star trek um exactly what you're saying i feel like the level of enlightenment within the society the level of wanting to push beyond 
trifling matters that like really at the end of the day, you know, providing access and equality as much as possible across the culture and the society to then pursue higher exploration and desire for knowledge across like beyond our own world and understanding yeah. and such i i very much agree with you on that and i think the other aspect of that too was i love technology and oh, yeah. how star trek just like when you think about it like my apple watch the fact that is, i have the, the cellular version so the fact that i could literally walk without a phone without anything else and i can communicate with somebody like halfway across the nation on a device the size of my wrist like that was a concept that was an idea maybe like 20 30 or so plus years ago that like mm -hmm. it's crazy to see how that was used on film like let's say with captain kirk and his like wristwatch communicator mm -hmm. or like even the communicator badges like i love technology and i love that star trek shows oh like these different future gadgets like do you have a favorite future gadget well i mean i just um my alexa i changed the woke, woke word to and i'm gonna spell it so it doesn't go off c-o-m-p-u-t-e-r because that's what you would call to like have a query on the ship. So I do, I'm like walking at home, like calling the main computer on, you know, on the enterprise. I love to try quarter. That was always fun for me. The technology piece of it. I, I had a, even though I ended up being a lawyer and a performer, um, I had a real interest for a period of time in like architecture and design, particularly like uh, CAD programs. I really mm. loved them. So they made, um, a set of blueprints for the Enterprise D deck by deck. And I would use that. I would make my own deck, you know, layouts for my own ships that I would create. I would put um, the console, I'd draw them on graph paper, the buttons and everything, and tape them around the house. So I had like consoles to do as I walked around, as if I was on the ship. Like I really loved the, not so much the individual pieces of technology, but like how specific they were with world building and how you could become an expert on things that don't exist and like knowing what deck stuff was on and knowing how to get there and what Jeffrey's tube connected to what and where the turbo lifts went. That was just something you could really just dive into, you know, um, that I actually feel like new Trek doesn't do as well. and doesn't do very much. Like I don't know where anything is on any of those ships or how things work. You know, they don't really go into the, that's, that's, peak nerd peak nerd is to know absolutely every little thing about something that doesn't exist <laughs> oh my gosh it reminds me of a line from the doctor on voyager when i think he had just either received a mobile emitter or maybe it was like i don't know how he was able to walk around the ship at that time whether they had yeah. installed uh holographic imaging or whatever but i think no, he was talking to yeah yeah <laughs> um i think he was talking to the captain and she was giving him instructions on where to go and how to get there. And he's like, I'm familiar with it. But then he, as they're about to leave, he's like, who designed this ship anyway? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and it reminds me too of, uh, was it the Ogawas, I think? Or no, not Ogawa. Okudas. Um, Ogawa's the nurse. Okudas. Yeah, you're right. W weren't the Okudas the ones who, yep. they've had such a huge impact in how trek has appeared like weren't they the ones who did like the l cars yeah display? they do the displays of how all the controls look and then the actors on next generation they actually created like what buttons you push to do what things and if someone had to come in and use their console they would tell the background person like this is if the, the if they say to do this like go to work this is how you do it like there are specifics it's not just oh push a button push a button push it like 
they created a universe for how all of this works, which I find incredibly cool. I'm curious what your thoughts are on a controversial topic within Trek. Surely there's several. I actually like Googled a few, but um, I want to hear what your maybe like top controversy is or like, I don't know how many you have that you prepared or not, but like um, what I want to hear what, what first comes to mind. Well, first comes to mind is just the general direction of Star Trek post starting with the J.J. Abrams movies. It's just the, the, this is purely my opinion. And man, when I joined Twitter, when I joined Twitter only for Star Trek purposes, boy, are people, if you criticize anything in any way, do they come after you? So mm. I'm going to be, this is just my opinion and I know how I'm going to get painted. But it feels like when the franchise, so the franchise was pretty much on hold after Enterprise went off the air, which I feel like was like early 2000s, 2000 like, four or five something like that mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until the 2009 movie where you know chris pine and they kind of rebooted alternate universe to the the shatner stuff it was a different look it was a different feel i'm not necessarily opposed to that the issue was they seemed to abandon um trying to ground things in actual science and really it was um action plot driven it was less about morality questions. It was less about um, teamwork, figuring stuff out to a lesser extent. It was just more about shooting ray guns and cool special effects and all of that, which is never what Star Trek was. And then as the TV shows came, it got even uh, worse, in my opinion. And some of the the dialogue started to get very flowery, but meaningless and like, Everybody was crying every episode. It was very, you know, these weren't professionals anymore. They were very emotional. It was just high high stakes emotion, high stakes action, but like not grounded. It was just action for action's sake and emotion for emotion's sake. Just because it, it was like, this is what, this is now dramatic and this is now action. Look at them. They're crying and fighting. Like, okay. And I just, and then the scale of it got big where it was like, it was no longer, there were episodes on the next generation that had real tension when the Enterprise was facing one ship and a second ship showed up and it was like, oh shit, two against one. And now it's like, well, we've got 10,000 ships and you've got 15,000 ships. And it's just like, this is now so big that it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's just whatever. They kind of turned off their brains and pumped in all this, you know action and all of that stuff and i felt that they did it because star trek has always been a niche audience and they kind of were like well it's star trek so these nerds are going to tune in anyway screw them we're going after you know general moviegoer general tv watcher we want to grab mm -hmm. that audience who like don't want the techno babble and don't want all of the things that i actually really like about star trek the, the nerdy aspect of it so for a long time, I feel like Star Trek really lost its identity, and it's only with Picard season three, which we are currently watching, we're only up to episode four at the time of recording this, that I feel like it has started to reclaim what it was, and whether that, but, but keeping the modern day sort of filming and look. So I don't know if this is an aberration 
or this is a like we're going back into this direction i don't know but that's my biggest controversy is just how they i don't know they took my smart little interesting sci-fi show and turned it into pew 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 laser 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. continue on that same point and in full-hearted agreement i want to make a note about specifically discovery (laughs) i appreciate that they were attempting to like try to push this like and we've talked about this before um between us this attempt of pushing like a diverse agenda and like I don't know exactly how to put this to words other than it felt like they were focusing more on the diversity of the crew rather than the actual story arcs and like creating quality in a compelling storyline kind of a way. And right. I think that goes like hand in hand with what you're saying of of shifting from like a smart themed kind of show that makes you think a little bit more into an action packed and like trying to push some sort of message through that like can come if you actually work on a compelling story and like seeing those story arcs naturally start to bloom and such I, I agree with you and I think that's like how I also feel about a lot of new Trek and specifically like my thoughts on discovery with that um well there's a there's a saying in writing which is show not tell and mm-hmm. I feel like because Star Trek was always always about diversity um I mean Whoopi Goldberg herself credits just seeing ooh on the bridge of the enterprise as extremely inspirational because it was the first depiction of she seeing herself still existing in the future and on the bridge and in a command scenario mm, and they mm-hmm. never did an episode where she was discriminated against or she had to the, it was star trek was just no we're all here they just showed it like uhura was of equal standing as to anyone and there she was and I feel like that's all Star Trek ever needs to do. It's just, no, we're all here and we're all equals and we're all working on a problem. You don't need this dialogue of constant, and I feel like I didn't belong, but now I belong. And but you don't need you don't need that. Just show it. Just them being there, a non-binary character being there, a um gay couple being there is all you need. It just shows, mm-hmm. yeah, we're here and we're part of the crew and we're equal. So it really belabored that the dialogue was also just extremely poor. I had to stop watching because I, I was screaming at my television. This is dumb. This is dumb. Oh my God, no one talks like this. And I just couldn't do it anymore. The And, and it, it it lost that nerd stuff. Um, you don't know who the bridge officers are and what their jobs are. You don't know what deck things are on and how people get there. You don't things work because they have to work for the purpose of the story every season it's some universe ending problem instead of like we have this weird you know some of the best episodes of star trek for me are just like we go to this planet and they're having an issue with terrorism and one of the terrorists abducts one of our crew member and we got to figure out how to get him out like that's not that's enough. You don't need the universe to explode possibly explode every fucking season. I very much agree with you on that. Um and that kind of stems into one of the other points that I wanted to uh mention about controversy. I love that Trek has always, I guess in a way, been at a forefront of bringing up topics that are hard to talk about, specifically in our society, such as uh, race, equality, xenophobia, homophobia, like whatever the case may be. Um, and to, you know, add upon, give a space, quote unquote, for like discussion about it. But seldom, especially with New Trek, has there ever been like 
a great answer to the question or issue at hand. The first thing that comes to mind mentioning that is um, the episode with Bolana in Voyager, where she is struggling with the deaths of her comrades, the Maquis, mm -hmm. and she is, you know, kind of putting herself in physical danger. Um, there's kind of a it's lot like of... the cutting episode. She's like yeah. hurting herself to feel because she can't process her emotions of the fact that everyone who she's on her way home, you know, they're 80 years away from you know lost in the far reaches of the galaxy and the thing that she thought she was going home to they're all dead right right exactly and her attempting of processing that you know I, by the end of the episode it felt like they just wrapped everything up she was eating her banana pancakes <laughs> and like a smile crept up on her face and everything was right in her character again i'm like to me, it felt like they were they were trying to make an attempt of at talking about like mental health and right. how to process hard things that happen to you. And it seemed like they just like packaged it all, all up in one single episode and her character went back to being her like normal character. Well, that was the, the unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, because I think there are um, there's a way to to do both, which is that in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s early 80s when TNG started all shows were episodic because you needed the ability for anyone to jump in at any point and not have to know anything else mm -hmm. and you needed the ability to for stations when you were airing television to air them in whatever order they wanted that they didn't have to put them on a certain schedule they could skip one they could move one I mean there are a couple episodes that in certain countries they don't show because they didn't like what the topic was mm -hmm. so they needed that flexibility and serialized storytelling really started in Deep Space Nine, and it was not very popular in, in comparison to the other shows. It did not have good ratings. People felt lost. They didn't know what was going on. And it's only in this era of streaming that Deep Space Nine has really found its audience because that's how people watch things now. I mm -hmm. think there is a way... I think it, I mean, I don't think it's very difficult. My preferred Star Trek is episodic in nature, meaning that each episode has a three act, like there is a point to it, mm -hmm. but there are character breadcrumbs and season long breadcrumbs or, you know, story arc long breadcrumbs that are throughout so that careful watchers, people who are fans can be like, oh, they mentioned that in this episode and oh, and make those connections and that's cool for them. But they, it's still sort of a general audience can still access it. And an episode, because I feel like honestly, and we're, I know we're not talking about Marvel, but that's Marvel's problem right now. Marvel's problem right now is it's very hard to jump into anything because there's too much history and you need that history to care about anything that's happening in those movies. Because all of the emotional stakes of those movies are built outside of the movies. You have to care coming in about these characters. They don't make you care about them in the movie. So the movies don't work for me as like standalone movies anymore. It's just this. And I I, I don't like that. I want to be able to see a 45 minute episode of Star Trek and be like, this is a I could pick this up and watch it on a rainy day and out of nowhere. I don't have to go into Wikipedia and remember what happened before. But there are things in it that if I did watch five or six episodes, it's a, there's a payoff for me. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What specific character or show um i know you've mentioned uh tng a lot but like is there anything specific that stood out to you as a, an all-time favorite either episode or all-time favorite character and what were some like things that you took from that and applied to your own life like what what stands out 
So it's, I mean, it's very hard to pick favorite character. I mean, I have so many. I, as a gay person, I feel like we're always drawn to the women, uh, especially like the strong go fuck yourself women. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Beverly, Roe, Kira, Dax, Alana, Seven, Janeway, you know, like, but, but I, I don't think there's any of, of the 90s treks, the sort of the TNG DS9 Voyager. I don't think there's a single character that I, don't like i even i mean i always disliked chakotay on voyager but i even on a rewatch i came around to appreciating him more so i don't think there's any tng is my that's just my team that's my crew that's who i grew up with um even though i like the others i love d space nine i like voyager but i think a good example i'm going to pick favorite episode because for me i think if you want to test whether or not you're a star trek person this is an episode to watch and if because it has for me all of the integral pieces and that is i believe it's fourth season possibly fifth season of next generation it's a little episode called disaster Mm. it is pretty much next gen's take on the poseidon adventure at the very beginning the ship is hit by this i think it's um a it's not a cosmic string because that's what Troy thinks it is. And it's not, it's a, a quantum filament. Mm-hmm. So it's this, basically the enterprise came in contact with a live wire in space and it shorted everything out and it's adrift. They can't even tell if people are alive in other sections of the ship. So every character, there's interesting character pairings because they're all trapped in different places. They all have something to do that, but for not them doing that thing, the ship would blow up. So everyone's important to getting something done they're working in teams they're trusting without even knowing if other people are alive they have to trust that other people are elsewhere doing their jobs too and hoping that they are you get to crawl through the bowels of the ship to know where everything is and how to get places you get comedy with wharf trying to deliver a baby in 10 forward which is amazing (laughs) and (laughs) <laughs> this birth is not very orderly. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, it's really great. You have Troy for the first time being in command, and that sets a story arc for her that goes over a couple seasons of her sort of saying, you know what, I can become a bridge officer. I actually, I want more than just being the ship's counselor. That starts her off. She has conflict with Ro about what the right thing to do is. There's science. There's adventure. You've got Picard trapped in an elevator with some kids. And his he's hurt and he needs them to help him. And so it's like, you know, getting kids involved. It just has everything you could want from a Star Trek episode in one episode. So great secondary characters that aren't even main characters, but like show up here and there. So if you want to test whether or not you're going to like Star Trek, I say watch Disaster because it has a little bit of everything and is just a perfect encapsulation of a Star Trek show. And if you like that, you'll like Star Trek. I'm in full support of that. I remember the episode, and I also remember that part where Worf is helping deliver Keiko's baby. <laughs> I think, doesn't he say, like, you may now start? Yes, you have dilated to whatever centimeters. You may now give birth. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Oh, I think he says, I think that it's, it's he, he, had, he had only done it in a simulation, and he's like, you know, the simulation was not like this. That delivery was very orderly. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Because it and it has stakes and action and drama, but it also has those comedic moments. Like it literally has everything a Star Trek episode should have. So I say watch that one. 
I love that. I love that so much. I love that you uh, gave an episode specifically that was like out of everything, all time favorite kind of a thing. Um, I like you mentioned, I think I'm going to do a character route. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to pull specifically from Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. from that. Uh, as you mentioned, like powerful women and, you know, as you know, us as gay and queer people, you know, tend to are, are drawn towards that. I will say, yes, definitely Kira is someone who comes to mind, but the other person that I'll get into in a second, but um, she very much is that attitude of no one is going to come save you. So you better like pick yourself up and do it yourself. And like, mm-hmm. you know, not like being very cautious to trust people because of like being hurt in the past and also her journey with reconciling her faith and you know kind of understanding that there's other perspectives outside of her own faith and such it was very interesting to see that but the other person that I feel like I resonate with is Odo in a way specifically being like a queer person because feeling like a misfit in a lot of situations and having to fit in with like solids you know Mm because he's a changeling he's a shapeshifter so having to feel more trying to people please in a way to not have any like danger or opinions about him like being misconstrued I don't know it kind of felt relatable to me in a way because he's a very private person and it took him a while to really open up a little bit more to not only the people that he worked with but then also as he got to know Kira a little bit more um so I don't know I relate a lot to that in a way where it's taken me a while as a gay man to feel more comfortable being myself not only in public but with like friends and people and um opening myself up more in that way but anyway those are my two favorites (laughs) yeah no I I I love all those characters and rest in peace Rene Aubergenois who had a nice little they had a nice little call back to him uh on this new season of Picard but that actor died a, a couple years ago I think during the pandemic I don't think of COVID but during that time uh, and so. if you don't watch Star Trek, you will know him uh, probably as the voice of the chef in The Little Mermaid. Yes, yes. yes. Um, he sings he... that song while he's trying to chop up Sebastian. Yes. <laughs> he's also in Avatar The Last Airbender in one of the episodes. Um, part of the one of the two nations uh, that were trying to cross the canyon. Um, he's the man in the white beard and such. So um He's done a lot of voiceover acting, which I love. Mm-hmm. But to finish out, Trek, what future content are you excited for? Um, the rest of this season of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> I knew uh, it. I knew it. <laughs> I am on the edge of my seat. Each episode, I feel, for the most part, has gotten better and better. I kind of want to do on my Star Trek podcast that I'm going to bring back, I think, in a couple months. I kind of want to rewatch, like after it's all done, I want to go back and rewatch it and sort of have a round table, like have you on, have Jeremiah on, have people on and talk about the different episodes. But um, it's just such a return to form. You're seeing the old characters you love. It's a great send off to the cast that I love. It references all the other shows. It's they're just it's it's just a good fucking show. Like they're just really doing it. Um, yeah. So I, I I you and I were just yesterday bouncing around theories about what's going on. So it's yeah. I want I want to know how this ends. <laughs> Before I share what I'm excited about, where can people find your Star Trek podcast? So if you're interested in Star Trek, um, what I do is I take. Some of the, because listen, there are some real stinkers episodes. It's not a perfect show. (laughs) So I take them, I comment on them, and then I sort of pitch, like, how could we have made this better? 
Um, it's a comedic sort of podcast. Uh, either have guest hosts, I do some on my own, and it's called Star Trek Zhuzurations, as in we got to zhuzh this episode. Uh, it's Z H U Z H orations. Uh, Star Trek Zhuzurations, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a listen. It is really funny when uh, he breaks down an episode and he's like, why was it like this? And <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just so funny i remember like you were talking about like tom paris and <sighs> just all the craziness and shenanigans he comes up with in voyager like voyager was like almost every single episode i think there was something to to judge <laughs> yeah voyager can be rough at times but on a rewatch i actually appreciated it more there are a couple seasons like three four five i think True. are all really solid in a way that i didn't remember mm-hmm. definitely as far as future content, I'm excited about same with Picard. Um, I'm excited for Strange New Worlds next season to come out. I'm hoping it'll be good. Um, I am cautiously optimistic about Discovery's final season. I'm hoping it'll just tie up loose ends and not be like any other. Like I don't know. I just hope that they finish it on a good note. I, that's that's all I'm hoping. Low expectations. <laughs> I hope someone wakes up and it was all a dream. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um but on top of that to finish this out um i'm hoping that there will be more trek content in the future i feel like the fan base is in my opinion this is just my opinion maybe i don't know if you share the same opinion i feel like the fan base is not as big as let's say marvel's fan base or disney's, oh, disney's fan base right and i just am like concerned that with the momentum that we've gained with these new series albeit some better than others i feel like we might lose momentum if some of these shows start ending and there's no call for like new content and new stuff. So I'm hoping that there will be new new stuff. Well, I'm also concerned because, you know, Paramount Plus is hemorrhaging money. It's not making money. And they just announced basically that they're going to reduce content. And I'm hoping that it's just a matter of Discovery not coming back, um, that that will save the money from the Star Trek stuff. But, you know... I don't know if we're going to get more than what's currently out there for a while. Right. Um, and I don't think as business people, right. Not as, you know, as, as a business, they're not, it's not like they're going to continue the show just to service a niche audience anymore. They did that in the early days because they sold the episodes directly into markets. It wasn't like on ABC, on NBC, on Fox, it was, who wants what what local fox station wants to buy these episodes and who wants to buy these and who wants to buy that they literally sold it market by market mm. and so they were able to do that and turn a profit from it when it got really popular but every time it's been like a tentpole show of a network it's never worked because the audience isn't that big and they're finding that changing it to try to get the audience to be bigger isn't working mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i don't know i'm worried fingers crossed <laughs> To round out this episode, I wanted to share a poem by Leonard Nimoy, who played the iconic character Spock from the original series of Star Trek, along with the subsequent movies and cameo appearances. He shares, I'm convinced that if all mankind could only gather together in one circle, arms on each other's shoulders, and dance, laugh, and cry together, then much of the tension and burden of life would fall away in the knowledge that we are all children needing and wanting each other's comfort and understanding. We are all children searching for love.
And that's a wrap on our Star Trek episode. Join me next time when Jack and I discuss our love for Drag Race, talking about our favorite queens, memorable history moments, and on a more serious note, our thoughts on the current legislative policies surrounding drag. If you haven't already, remember to follow or subscribe. And if you like today's episodes, I would absolutely love it if you left a positive review. Check us out online and on socials. But until then, live long and prosper, and I'll see you in the next episode. Queerly Overthinking is produced by Adam Harper and Cass Cooper. It is edited by Adam Harper with audio mixing by Necessary Outlet Productions. You can follow Queerly Overthinking on Instagram at Queerly Overthinking and find more at www.queerlyoverthinking.com.